I'm excited to dive in today's message, and uh, I've been excited to be honest with you for several months because I kind of knew where I wanted to go today. And I've entitled today's message, The Lie of Loneliness. The Lie of Loneliness. Dr. Vivek Murthy, the U.S. Surgeon General, America's doctor, about six years ago, actually declared that in America we are experiencing a loneliness epidemic. His concern as a Surgeon General was that loneliness is a key contributor to a number of health and emotional health issues, uh, namely um, alcohol abuse, anxiety, depression, blood pressure, high blood pressure, all of these things. Loneliness is a contributing source, sleep issues, personality disorders. In fact, Dr. Holt Lundstedt, a BYU professor of psychology, back in 2015, she did some research and found that actually loneliness, catch this, is worse for your health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's worse for your health and your, mor- your morbidity than obesity. It's worse than alcohol abuse. So the Surgeon General has kind of said, hey, I'm very concerned about the state of loneliness in our country. And it, and it got worse through the pandemic, as you would expect. In fact, 58% of Americans today report being lonely. So if you are one of the 58%, here's what I want to say to you. You're not alone. <laughs> the majority of our country feels alone. Uh, and as you get into younger generations, so I'm on the upper tier of the millennial generation. I know I look much younger. Um, didn't have to laugh that hard. It's not my fault I lost my hair in my 20s, okay? <laughs> but the millennials, 71% of millennials, and then 79% of Gen Z, they're calling Gen Z the loneliest generation. Uh, that loneliness is pervasive. And why I share that, and I don't mean to start real heavy, uh, the good news is coming, but that loneliness um, is impactful, but it's also personal for me as your pastor. When I was in my mid-20s, I had just completed graduate school. I had two graduate degrees in psychology. I was working as a psychologist. I was having professional success. I had, again, two degrees. I made good money. I had a condo at the beach. And many of, like, life's measurements, people would say I had a good life. But I was very lonely. I was very busy. And even though I knew a lot of people, no one really knew me. Like, like my, my deepest pains and my hurts and my issues. And it was painful. And so when I speak of loneliness, I'm not just speaking as someone about a topic. I'm speaking as someone who I have felt the pain of loneliness and it's painful. In fact, we see how loneliness has this detrimental effect on us, and the Bible speaks to it, actually. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, it's unwise for us to be alone because it's detrimental for our health, for our emotional health, and for our spiritual health. And here's the lie of loneliness. Dr. Vivek Murthy said this, the number one contributing factor culturally that he concluded was the pace of our life. And here's the lie of loneliness that I have bought into before, maybe some of you have, and that's this, that I am too busy for community. It's too busy. And here's the truth. Can I, can I shoot it straight to you? You don't have time for community, right? You know, work's busy. You add into that a commute if you're going back into the office regularly. You're getting your master's degree on the side. You're raising kids. 
you know, you got a lot of things you're managing in life. But here's the key. You do not have time for community, so you have to make time for community. And listen, I I, want to be honest with you. Community is work. It's going to take energy, investment, time, but it's worth it. It's work, but it's worth it. Let me say one last thing to make some of you hopefully feel uh, a little more welcomed in this moment. I say this also as a task-oriented introvert. Where are my introverts at? Come on. Some of us are so introverted, we won't raise our hand because we're introverted. I, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I was that person when I first came to church. I slipped in. I slipped out. Nobody talked to me. And let me say this to all my introverts because statistically speaking, 70% of us are. Uh, introverts need friends too. <laughs> I know we might think we don't. I know, I know, I know. I've been there. I'm good. But we, we need community. We need relationships in our life as well. So I hope, here's my hope today. If you are one of the 58%, if you are in the majority and you feel alone today, my hope is to inspire you and equip you from the word of God that you would take steps into community today. If you're one of the 42% that you are currently invested in community, to continue along this path in community. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we open up your word today. Father, we posture our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive for what you have for us. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to share with you three, three real benefits. Why, why, why is community so important? Why is the Surgeon General concerned? Why is God's word, in fact, Psalm 68, 6 says this, that God sets the lonely in family. So why is, why is God concerned? Why is, why is our nation concerned about the state of loneliness? Now, I want to give you three benefits that are key for community. Here's number one, is that community grows us into our God-given potential. Community grows us. Proverbs 27, 17 says, this, iron sharpens iron, so there's one person sharpen another. In other words, our community or our relationships shape us. Growing up when I was in high school, in fact, I still am today, I was a big hip-hop music fan. Any hip-hop fans? Come on. I loved, now listen, I was into, now listen, don't judge me. This is before I was really following Jesus, okay? Uh, I loved Notorious B.I.G. I loved Nostradamus. Come on, I love Mob Deep. You you know you're a real rap fan when you start throwing out Mob Deep. Most people don't know. Now, don't go listen to their music right now because I'm not advocating for it. I'm just telling you where I was. Wu-Tang Clan, Enter the 36 Chambers. That's where I was. Come on, I have my cassette tapes. Tell you how old I am. I had cassette tapes. Uh, But I loved loved hip-hop. Here's why. All of my friends in high school... Loved hip-hop. So we like pass tapes. Come on. Remember back in the day when you record tapes? You had that recorder. It's like, ready, play, record. Boom. Kids these days don't know. Listen, when my kids get older, I'm not going to tell them about Spotify. I'm just going to give them tapes. Just say, feel the pain. Tapes and dial up internet. Just let you feel the pain of your father's childhood. You don't know. You don't know. Uh... But I love, uh, I still love hip-hop music. Thank God for Christian rappers like Lecrae and Andy Minio and many others. Thank God. Um, I, I love most music. I really do. I love music. I, I appreciate music. There is one genre, your pastor, I hope you don't leave the church after this, but 
I've got to be honest. There's one genre I just can't get down with. It's country music. I just can't. I just can't. I can't feel. I've tried. Um, I've listened. And um, it's, it's painful for me. It just really is. It's this. One of my closest friends loves country music. I guess his favorite music. He grew up in a community where they listened to like Travis Tritt and Randy Travis and Reba McIntyre. That's all I know because I don't know. <laughs> I didn't listen to it. Listen, here, here's the truth. Our preferences, the music we listen to, the foods we eat, the teams we cheer for are shaped by the community we've been surrounded with. In fact, Proverbs 13.20 says this, when you walk with the wise, you become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, literally by being around someone, you become like them. So you're around the wise, you become wise. You're around some fools. The, the, the Bible says you become like a fool, that we are influenced by the people that we are around. In fact, I'd say it this way. As we become like those we are surrounded by. In fact, there's a psychological term for this. It's called the proximity effect. Back in the 50s, they did some research, and they found this to be true, that when they placed students sitting next to another student, those two students became like each other. And they found that just by being the proximity of someone, you become like them. And we begin to take on their habits and their behaviors and their thought processes and their values. This is why who we are in community with matters. So for watch this. If you are surrounded by negative people, you will find yourself becoming more negative. But if you surround yourself with faith-filled people who believe for God's best, you're going to find yourself faith-filled. If you surround yourself, that's why you'll see families. Have you noticed this? Maybe in your own family. Families, oftentimes you'll see patterns of dysfunction passed down from generation to generation. Why? Because they're seeing patterns. They're learning. You all see the, 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 the plus side. You'll see patterns of, of positive behavior. You'll see families passed down. Some of you have this, a legacy of faith in your family. Why? Because, because we see these and it influences who we are and who we are becoming. Let me say this. If there are some areas of your life that you want to change, here's how you change it. Ready? We change our life by changing our circle. Now, I'm not saying you right now pick up your phone and text all those folks and be like, I'm done, loser. You know, <laughs> get your life right. My pastor just said I need a new circle. I'm not saying, <laughs> don't be mean. Here's what I am saying is be mindful of who's influencing who. Because, listen, the community you surround yourself with is affecting who you're growing into. Can I give you a challenge as your pastor? This is your church home. Is that I want to encourage you. I want this fall to be your best fall yet spiritually. And for us to grow spiritually, the Bible is clear. The social science research is clear. That you need to deeply connect into Christian community. That's all. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, you're just saying that because we're launching groups today. I'm not. In fact, you don't have to be in any group. But you do need a friend. So our groups are our way to help you find those friends. That's what it is. It's not about please get into our groups. No, we, we, we create these groups so you can find Christian community because it's critical to your spiritual and your emotional 
And the research shows your physical health to have these relationships in our life. Proverbs 27.9 says this, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Back when this author wrote this, they did not have the same bathing methods we have today. I.e., people smelled funky frequently. So they would cover the smell, the offensive smells of perfumes. So he says in the same way they're covering their offensive smell with perfumes, a good friend's counsel will cover your bad decisions. The, the good friend will help prevent you from making future bad decisions. Last year I was at a retreat with pastors and it was in South Carolina and they had this lake that was filled with bass fish. They said, you can go out and kind of fish and, and have a ball. And so I went out one day for two hours. The only thing your boy caught was a sunburn. So that night I concluded you will not find me on that lake anymore. Because it was, I caught nothing. I just got an hour burned neck. It's not fun. The next morning, the pastor organizing the retreat said, I have the state champion for bass fishing in the state of South Carolina coming today. And he will give you any tips you want out in the lake. So I said, okay, I'll give it one more chance. This is a true story. There's no exaggeration. I go out there, and it was only me and him initially. So I was like, sweet. So, so he, he, he kind of pulled out this bait. And he said, based upon the color of the water, the time of day, this is the worm you should use. He then say, uh, based upon the time of day and where the fish are feeding, here's where you should cast. And then here's how you should cast. And then when the bait is in the water, here's how you should move the bait. Because right now, this is how the bugs are moving at this time of day with this current climate. No exaggeration. Within 10 minutes, your boy caught a bass. Why? Because I leaned into the council of somebody who had gone before. Here's the beauty of community. As you get into a community group, maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're, you're coming back to faith. And you get around somebody else who has been walking with God for 10 years. And maybe you're like me. When I first came back to faith, I was like, I don't really know how to pray. <laughs> somebody taught me how to pray, how to have a prayer life. Or maybe for you, you're newly married. Or maybe you're dating. You're wanting some direction on how to have a healthy relationship. Well, when you get into a group with somebody else who's been married for 10 years and has a healthy marriage, man, you can lean into the counsel of those who've gone before you. As an old pastor told me, hey, Jeremy, it is, it is better for you to learn from someone else's mistakes than to learn from your own. So we're for somebody. Why spend the energy and the effort making the mistake yourself when you can learn from somebody else who's already made it for you? Ephesians 4.15, the Apostle Paul says this, we, referring to as the church, as the community, will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. The Apostle Paul says that we speak the truth in love and that it's the truth that grows us. I was reminded this week watching NFL Week 1 highlights. Can anybody else, we just thank Jesus, NFL football is back on TV. Thank you, Lord. Don't worry, we'll get out plenty of time for you to catch the 1 o'clock game. Okay, I know some of you are concerned. You're like, they, they invited me to church. You better get out 1 o'clock. Um, but I was reminded of the value of having someone to protect the quarterback's blind side. 
So that's basically behind the quarterback is their blind side. And typically in, a, in, a, in a, an NFL team, I'll give you a case, an example, the Kansas City Chiefs, their highest paid offensive lineman is the left tackle because the left tackle guards Patrick Mahomes' blind side. So they, they oftentimes pay those individuals the most money and they're often the most skilled because quarterbacks fumble the ball and get injured when they're hit in their blind side. So teams will go through great lengths to protect that quarterback's blind side. Can I say this? You have a blind side. I have a blind side. I have character flaws that I do not see. Anybody else experience this where you you see other people's flaws, but you don't see your own? You're like, they messed up. They got problems. (laughs) And you got the same problem, you just don't see it in yourself? Come on, right? We we, We don't see our own issues sometimes. In fact, Friday night I was with some friends, and one of my friends said, he was talking about his kids, and he said, have you noticed this, that that we see our own flaws, like we passed on to our kids. And then you see it in your kids and you're like, oh, my goodness, I don't like myself, right? And you're like, oh, my goodness, that's me. And, and, and here, here's what we need in our life. Listen, maybe for some of you, your character flaw is you consistently show up late to places. Maybe your character flaw, some of you just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's coming for you, okay? <laughs> some of you, you call yourself direct, but some people experience you as harsh. And listen, you don't see it. You need someone who loves you enough to say, hey, when you show up late, those who are there on time feel disrespected and let you feel that. Hey, when... When you said that, what you said was true, but your tone hurt. Now, don't take this as liberty to go and tell the people in your life what they're doing wrong. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you popping the emails out right now. You didn't. No, no, listen, listen. This is, this, is, this is important. Two things. Number one is do not speak the truth in love unless somebody invites you into that. Because if if someone is not inviting you into it, they're not going to hear it anyway. Secondly, be humble enough to invite somebody in and say, hey, can you you help me? Because I I, I have this issue. If you see this in me, can you say something? And can I tell you, those relationships, so as you get into a group this fall and you get into those relationships, get somebody and say, hey, listen, here's an issue I have. Can you help me? If you see something, say something. And I'm telling you, those people, those relationships in your life, listen, I don't know about you, but anytime I hear those hard truths, it's never easy to digest. But here's what I found. My own personal and spiritual growth does not come when someone tells me what I'm doing great, when someone tells me the truth in love. And that's what I want for you. I want for you. We need friends who will cover our blind side. Here's point number two is that community empowers us to fulfill our God-given purpose. I'd say this way, that our community shapes our destiny. Let me give you some examples in culture. There would be no Beyonce without Destiny's Child. Right? Come on, somebody. There would be no Justin Timberlake without NSYNC. 
right? Did it, is NSYNC making a new album? Did I see that? They're, they're a little past their prime, but that's okay. Go ahead. Do your thing, okay? I thought boy band era was over, but apparently it's coming back. Come on. Michael Jordan would not have six championships without Scottie Pippen and, and, and John Paxton and Bill Cartwright and Dennis Rodman. In fact, there would be no LeBron James without Michael Jordan. Come on, somebody. That's just my opinion. Okay. Somebody walked out of second service when I said that. I said, that's okay. It's okay. The truth sometimes hurts, but I speak it in love. No, I love LeBron. But our destiny, listen, the, the myth of the lone ranger, or the ideal of a lone ranger is a complete myth. That somehow... There's kind of like these people who are independently successful or independently. Like there's always people. They may not be as well known, but there's always a community that shaped their destiny. Paul said this to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be misled, but bad company corrupts good character. He went to, the, to, the, to Corinth and he noticed that they were, they were Christians who loved Jesus. But they were compromising their values because of the friends they kept. He says, hey, listen, I know you love Jesus, but be careful because your, your friends are affecting your character. Good company or bad company corrupts good character regardless of how hard you try. In other words, the community you keep is shaping your destiny. Have you ever made a decision that you later regretted because you made it under the pressure or the influence of the people who are around you? Like you're out to dinner and you had a few pieces of bread and an appetizer and you ate your entree. When dessert menu comes, you're like, I'm, I'm good. But everybody else orders dessert. You're like, I'll have the cheesecake. <laughs> 20 minutes later, you're like, I shouldn't have had the cheesecake right now, right? Or maybe you're like, you're trying to be healthy and you pack your lunch at work. But then all your coworkers are like, we're going out to eat. You're like, oh. I even meal prepped and everything. Come on, somebody. I got my grilled chicken, my spinach. Tex-Mex it is. Come on, somebody. I can't. I can't. Those are minor, but we've all experienced those moments in our life where we make a decision that, that we're under the influence of the people around us. And that's why Paul is saying, be mindful, be careful of the people that you are surrounding yourselves with because here's what happens too. This concept called social learning, or some call it herding behavior. Do you know that the people that you surround yourself with, that your brain instinctively reinforces you when you mirror their behaviors? So even if it's dysfunctional, your brain is like, do that. Good job. (laughs) Because you saw, because, listen, watch this, the way we are neurochemically wired is for socialization. We don't want to be outcasted. So, again, that's why Paul says, do not think you can surround yourself with people who have values contrary to our faith and somehow you're going to stay on a straight line in your faith. Your community is affecting you. You can look around the people in your life and see, man, that they're influencing my life And again, whether or not we acknowledge it, so here's my challenge for you. If you want to be faith-filled, is surround yourself with faith-filled friends. Whatever it is you're looking for, I want to have healthier relationships. Surround yourself with people who have healthier relationships. 
Ecclesiastes 4.9, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, gives some, some, some wisdom on, on relationship. And he says this, that two are better than one. He says, in other words, it's not good to be alone because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, you're, you're more prosperous, you're more profitable when you have somebody else with you. And then if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. And if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Solomon says this, that, that when you fall down, that, that somebody can, can pick you up if they're with you. Has anyone noticed this, that life can have a way of knocking you down? You can have a meeting tomorrow at work. And you get some news that knocks you down. You can get a call from the doctor with news that you feel like knocks you down. An email from your kid's teacher that you feel like knocks you down. Like life has a way of knocking you down. So Solomon and all of his wisdom, as a, he's saying, listen, you need other people in your life to pick you up. You know, a movie that I enjoyed, in fact, all three movies I enjoyed were the movies Creed 1, 2, and 3. Have you seen those? And Creed 1, if you remember this, Pretty Ricky is his name. He's, he's taking it out on Creed. Creed's got his, his, his left eye swollen shut and his right eye is bleeding. And Sylvester Stallone, Rocky, is in his corner. And he sits down in between rounds. And Rocky says, you're going to go out there and you're going to knock him out because you are Creed. Sure enough, what happens if you've seen the movie? He goes out there, he knocks out pretty Ricky. You know, from boxing is where we get the phrase, in your corner. Have you heard somebody say, hey, I'm in your corner? That's where it comes from. That you have somebody in your corner. Can I tell you, we need people in our corner. That when life is hard, hey, you got this. That greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That through Christ, you can do all things because he strengthens you. That in your weakness, his power is perfected. That you need people in your corner who are there encouraging you, who are there supporting you, who are there praying for you. Can I tell you, I've had some hard days, and one of the most, one of the most texts that, that literally strengthens my spirit personally, one of my close friends texts me to say, hey, I'm praying for you. Just knowing someone's praying for you. Just to know someone there. I, I got that even leading up this weekend. As we launched three services, I had a good friend text me. Hey, I'm praying for your church as you guys are launching your third service. Like knowing there are people in your inner corner. If you're new to Catalyst, I want you to know this about this church. This church is full of people who will be in your corner, who will pray for you, who will encourage you, who will support you. Can I give you the flip side? Be the type of person who's in someone's corner. Do not just wait for someone to do something for you unless you're willing to do it for someone else. So before... I'm not going to sit there and be like, why is no one praying for me? Or are you praying for someone else? Well, where's my encouragement? You know, the Bible actually says those who refresh others, will ref- they themselves will be refreshed. So do you need encouragement? Encourage someone. One of the best things you can do when you need help is to help someone. Try it this week. I'm telling you. I did it this week. I was having a day where I needed some encouragement. I just encouraged somebody else. And it encouraged my spirit. That you encourage, be someone who's in the corner of other people. That we can encourage and support and be there. Here's point three, my final point. So community grows us into our God-given potential. Community empowers us to fulfill our God-given purpose. Let me say this. If you're writing notes, look up for a second. God created you on purpose 
for a purpose. It is not a mistake that you were born. It's not a mistake that you live in this time, right now. God has a purpose for your life. If you believe it, can you say amen? Third is this, that community brings strength and healing to our souls. Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6, the apostle Paul is giving some direction around the church and our relationships with each other. He says in verse 10, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Earlier in verse 2, he says to carry each other's burdens. And as I was thinking about that, I don't know if anybody else is like me. I can be a pretty stubborn person. And a lot of things, whether it's a problem I'm trying to solve or an issue I'm dealing with, I try to fix it myself before I really try to reach out to anybody for help. Uh, Maybe anybody else like me, you have a hard time asking for help. Come on. We'll create our own group of people who don't ask for help. We'll just call it stubborn, right? (laughs) I identify with that. I remember earlier this year, Christina, we had this chair in our, in our uh, family room. And she wanted to, she said, hey, let's move this to our, our bedroom. She says, let me help you. And I said, I think I got this, babe. I was actually trying to impress her. Come on, right? Trying to work some game. little side note, fellas. This isn't a, a marriage message, but write this down, husbands. Keep spitting game. Keep working game, Okay. If you pursued her to marry her, pursue her while you're married to her. And all the wives said, Amen. okay. All right, I'm trying to help out your marriage. Keep pursuing, keep pursuing. So I was like, okay, I got this. So it was a recliner chair. I picked it up. I put it on my shoulder. Be impressed. I was like, girl, I got this. I do deadlifts. I got this. I got this. So I had to go upstairs. Two steps in. I felt good. I felt confident. Third step, confidence shot. It's gone. I felt my body starting to lean back by the weight of the chair. So I said, Christina, help your boy. (laughs) Thankfully, no injuries occurred that day. We got the chair up into our room. But maybe if you're like me, I have a hard time asking for help. I'll do it myself. And can I tell you this? Listen, sometimes when I face the stress of life or the anxieties of life, I can think, I got this myself. But God did not create you to carry the burdens of life by yourself. He didn't create you to carry the stress from work by yourself. The burdens of parenting by yourself, the anxieties of what's happening in your family right now, by yourself, the pain of the chronic illness you're dealing with, by yourself. He created us to carry each other's burdens. So I want you to hear this. This is a church with people who help carry your burdens, who will be there for you, who will pray for you, who will help lift the burdens of your life. Let me give you the flip side. Be a burden carrier. Like when you see people around you going through a hard time, be there for them. Check in on them. Support them. Hey, how are you doing? What do you need? And, and, and just sometimes, can I tell you what, what oftentimes I found can lift a burden? Just knowing that someone's available if I need them. Like just knowing. Like if all of a sudden this thing starts feeling too heavy, I can just text someone. Just be there for somebody else. 
James 5.16, this is a scripture we share a lot here at Catalyst. It's foundational to what, uh, how we, we practice, especially in the context of groups. James, brother of Jesus, says this, is confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We confess our sin to God for forgiveness. We confess our sin to each other, James says, for healing. It's not physical healing. It's emotional. It's soul healing. It's healing of the depths of who we are. Here's what we say at Catalyst Church. If you've been around here, you've, you've heard this a number of times. You probably have said it as well. Is we say you need someone, you need a safe place to take the mask off. We have a passion at this church to create safe places where people can be honest and transparent. Because I have a mask this morning with me. It's a Luigi mask. Because there is no Mario without Luigi. Come on, somebody. No Lone Ranger. It's the Mario Brothers, right? Gosh, Luigi doesn't get love. He's like the Scotty Pippen of cartoons. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You got you to give him some love. <laughs> Maybe only I find that funny. But here, here's what life can be like. Is for many of the environments we're in at work, maybe for some of you in your own family, you feel like you can't be safe. Uh, when you come into large group environments like here, we don't know everyone, so no one's going to get up and share everything, is you wear a mask. So when someone says, how are you doing? Like, I'm great. How's your marriage? Never been better. How's work going? Hashtag crushing it. And uh, the reality is this. If you were to take your mask off and someone says, how's work going? And you could say, I'm overwhelmed been very stressful this season. Or if you take your mask off and someone says, how's your marriage? You could say, this year's actually been the worst year of our marriage. Or how are you doing? Actually not so great. Is you need someone, here's our passion, you need a safe place. You can be honest. Because we all have struggles. If you've been around Catalyst, you know what we say. And if you, don't, if you do not think you have a struggle, that means that's your struggle. Come on, somebody. You know, we all do. And we need someone that we, when we, they ask how you're doing, you can tell them, I'm not good. I'm really struggling right now. I'm overwhelmed. I'm anxious. I have this area of sin in my life. Even though I wish it wasn't there, it's there. I have this addiction I'm struggling with. Years ago, I remember the first time I took my mask off. I was a part of a church like Catalyst, and I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was attending church. I was growing spiritually. But I had some unhealed pain and had some sin in my life that even in my best efforts, I could not get freedom from. So one, one day after service, I saw one of my fellow community group members in, in the auditorium. So I went up to him. We started just kind of having small talk. And I don't even know how it got there, but it did. I took my mask off with him. And I said, here's how I'm really doing. And I shared with him an area of sin in my life that I was struggling with, that I didn't want to struggle with, but I was. 
And, and I thought, and here's a lie that I believe, maybe some of you are believing. If I tell anybody else what I'm struggling with, they're going to kick me out of here. They won't let me. Or they're going to be like, what? How could you? Get out. No. Hey, can I tell you this? That's the furthest thing from the truth. That is a lie from the pit of hell to keep you in darkness. Because the enemy can heap shame upon shame upon shame upon shame upon you. And you think, I cannot tell anybody this. You know what I heard when I told this guy about my struggle? And you probably hear this with whatever you're dealing with. I heard me too. But I thought I was going to experience rejection. I experienced acceptance. For the next year, him and I were prayed for each other, walked alongside each other, were honest with each other. We both experienced healing in our souls and freedom from that sin that have both kept us bound up. I'm going to tell you this, your pastor, that is my heart for each and every one of you. If you're one of the 58% of people who, who are not taking your mask off with anyone, you would find someone. And listen, here's what you're going to receive at Catalyst Church. You will never receive condemnation. You will always receive compassion. Always. Because this is where healing comes from. Ecclesiastes 4.12, my last scripture. Solomon says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two stand back to back and conquer. He says three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I was in Colorado about seven or eight years ago. It was on my first and last skiing trip. I realized as a larger man, I do not do well on mountains that are covered with ice and snow. I go down fast. I'm like a bullet. I'm like, I care too much about my ACLs. Come on, right? To not ski ever again. So I haven't been since. But while I was there, it was beautiful. They had these large, thin, tall trees. So I asked the ski instructor, I said, what are these large, tall, thin trees? I think you have a picture of them. He said they're called quaking aspen. They're beautiful, especially in the winter. And I said, how do these long, tall trees survive in this wind and ice and snow? Like, why don't they snap? And he said, the, all of the quaking aspen trees on this mountain are connected at the root system. In fact, if you were to cut down every quaking aspen tree at its, at its, to get down to a stub, they would regrow full on. Because it's life and it's power comes from their connectedness. Once you hear this, this is how God designed us. He designed us that our strength, that health, that growth would come from our connectedness. So the lie of loneliness is I'm too busy for community. So we, we don't, I know you don't have time. So as your pastor, I want to lovingly challenge you to make time this fall for your growth, for your purpose, for your healing in your soul. Because we're better together. That's why we call this Sunday, Better Together Sunday. 
And community is work. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest with you. It's work to sign up, to go out today and sign up for a group and meet a group leader, to go on our website, that's where you sign up, to sign up for groups, and then show up. And then show up when you don't feel like showing up. That takes work. But at the end of this fall, I'm going to tell you this, and if I am wrong, you can come back and tell me. If you do so, it's work, but it's worth it. Can you bow your heads with me, church?